0: A two-day rally of nearly $2,000 in the Bitcoin price appears to have petered out the largest cryptocurrency by market value down in the past 24 hours, wiping out some of its recent gains over the past couple of days. Bitcoin, last I checked, was uh, changing hands at about $41,761, well off its high of $48,000 a few weeks ago. So how is Bitcoin's uh, correlation looking with other risk assets? What's the outlook for Bitcoin? moving forward we'll also take a look at top altcoins so many out there right Uh, we did a look at sort of altcoins to be investing in possibly in 2022. Uh, Cardano, StreamCoin, Decentraland, Crypto.com, The Sandbox, XRP, some names that come up. But how have altcoins performed in the past couple of days? Then we'll take a look at metaverse opportunities. It seems every time I'm on my LinkedIn, I see another um, posting about opportunities in the metaverse and who's getting in on it, which institutions. So I thought we'd discuss what opportunities he sees when it comes to the metaverse vjiis vp for corporate development and global expansion over at luno their global cryptocurrency platform good morning vj
1: Morning, Michelle. How
0: are you? Doing well. So we know that Bitcoin uh, returned above 40,000. That was a midpoint of its three-month-long price range. But the cryptocurrency looking as if it's uh, facing resistance, moving above 41 42,000. There's no single one factor that we can pinpoint to help us understand Bitcoin's price movements. But some say, you know, there's reason for optimism, of course. Uh, if you look at the uh, number of interested parties when it comes to launching spot exchange-traded products for Bitcoin and ESA in Australia, for example, and in the U.S. Uh, and I know you're long-term bullish on Bitcoin, but if we looked at Bitcoin's recent movements, uh, Vijay, what is your outlook for Bitcoin from here on?
1: Right. Thanks, Michelle. And yeah, 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 what you mentioned is absolutely spot on, right? I think long-term bullish is the right way to kind of Actually look at an asset like this, um, but obviously like uh, zooming into it a bit more in terms of the past kind of few weeks or even past few months um, generally you'll observe that after you know the high uh, in November and we kind of got back down to about thirty four k we've been kind of making higher highs and higher lows on the chart uh, if any technical trader would look at it and tell you uh the key thing though is we have to conquer a few resistances before people can get really like bullish and be confident that we're in an uptrend so those are uh, you know, we're looking at 44, 45K and then about 50K, 50 to, 50 to 52K. So people, you know, if you're, if you're really looking at the short term, you should be looking to these levels to kind of uh, gain confidence in the market. But of course, I think most people would be, you know, it would be just safe to kind of zoom out and accumulate at these levels because these are really good prices. And if you look at the range in the past three, four months, this has been the range we're in and anytime Bitcoin establishes a range like this, uh, it is typically associated with accumulation. So yeah, short term and long term, I think that's what I would look at.
0: Do you think the cryptocurrency is starting to retrace the decline that we saw late 2017? You know, there was a bit of a bear market last year as well. And what preceded that, I thought was interesting, was the number of queries on, on Google, the world's largest search engine, dipped You know, Mm. and we're seeing a similar thing transpire. I looked up Bitcoin Google searches down to its lowest level since 2020. So do you think that retail interest in Bitcoin seems to be fading?
1: So I actually consider trends like those a bit of a lagging indicator. I mean, the moment price Mm. starts going up, you start seeing people Google Bitcoin again. Uh, You know, in fact, it's the reverse, I would think, if you ask me, because Right now, retail is a bit muted uh, because the price is not doing much. It's right. a bit flat. Uh, you know, it's in a range. It's boring. Uh, this is where traders, you know, make mm-hmm. merry. If I were to say so, yeah. And in the retail interest, you know, and search trends, and these kind of indicators would go up when you start seeing big moves either the downside or the upside, which is what we're waiting for essentially. Uh, Bitcoin to break out either towards the you know beyond fifty k or you know if it loses thirty seven k people might expect lower prices towards the low 30K levels. Uh, and then you'll see a bit more of an interest from retail, I would think.
0: Okay, what are you seeing in terms of other top crypto moves, BJ
1: In terms of altcoins, you mean? Yes. Yes, so yeah, I guess the altcoin market is very, very much dependent on Bitcoin and to an extent on uh, Ethereum as well. Uh, And as you can see, when Bitcoin ranges, generally you do have some of these altcoins making big moves. Um, Off off late, though, at least what I've observed is uh, a lot of the layer one, which is the smart contract platform uh, cryptocurrencies, uh, are looking quite strong. And these are alternatives to Ethereum, essentially. right? So you're talking about Avalanche or you're talking about Polkadot and you're talking about Solana, Luna, which is uh, has been very popular. And lastly, I would say Near, which is a very, very new L1 smart contract platform. And its token is called Near. And there's a lot of bullishness around it, a lot of developer interest and in apps coming on to that platform. Uh, and it's gained about 50% in the past, I would say, month or so, month or more. So that, that's the one area I definitely look at. The other one is Metaverse in general. And I think there was some news yesterday as well that um, you know the sandbox, which is probably one of the top two Metaverse platforms uh, and its fan token. Uh, they raised about 400 million odd at 4 billion valuation, and or, or it's rumored to be raising that much. So, a lot of interest still in that space. A lot of retail and brands looking at the metaverse to kind of experiment. So, there's definitely a lot of activity in the metaverse coins as well.
0: Okay, interesting. So we'll check out Sand, the Sandbox. Quite a prominent name alongside Decentraland and the comes yes. to the metaverse, and we'll be chatting about opportunities in the metaverse in just a while. So, in terms of top performers for altcoins, uh, what would you say, Vijay?
1: I would summarise is it is, um, you know, the the ones that have been performing quite well given the current Bitcoin range have been the L1 smart contract platforms like Luna and Solana and Near, the metaverse coins such as Sandbox and related ones such as decentraland like you mentioned you know some of them have not done well like axie infinity which is also kind of considered a gaming metaverse kind of play and phantom which is an l1 play uh, those have not done well i mean a lot of them had news events the axie the you know in axie in, in infinity there was a massive hack uh, uh, that we spoke about a few weeks back uh, phantom there's you know concerns about the project itself and the leadership there. So I think those have fared quite badly given the environment. Um, the other one, by the way, is also like privacy coins like Monero and, and, and Zcash that look quite bullish and have been doing quite well. Uh, you know, 10% odd returns in the next in the past week or so.
0: Would it be fair to describe the ones that are doing well, the layer one uh, altcoins mm-hmm. in your roundup, for example, uh, those seeing inflows uh, as those that are key to the foundation of decentralized application ecosystems?
1: Absolutely, right. And and I think why they're emerging is because uh, Ethereum, uh, you know, is taking time to scale, uh, scale up to kind of being able to do more transactions on its platform. Ethereum still can do about 15, 20 transactions per second. Uh, by comparison, Visa does like 50,000 transactions per second, if you just compare that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of these new layer ones uh, look at new ways of scaling the blockchain itself. So you look at Solana or Near or Polkadot or Avalanche, they have different ways of scaling. And, there's, and hence, there's a lot of interest because developers want to use those platforms. Users also kind of migrate to those platforms because it's cheaper to use and you have to pay less fees because those blocks are not as clogged as Ethereum. So yeah, and that's why you see these alternative layer ones kind of starting to really ramp up. And ultimately, if you also think about what's happening, is like we're having multiple chains being built out uh, and, and essentially there will be technology to be able to connect these various chains in the future, oh. uh, which is a very exciting kind of new area for, for crypto, I would think.
0: Interesting. Let's take a step back at global headlines. So the IMF has come, down, come out and warned of a spike in cryptocurrency trading in emerging markets. And it's warning that this could imperil the global financial system. Uh, IMF saying on top of war in Ukraine, this is revealing risks in the crypto payment system. What is your take on the report and what investors should keep in mind when investing in crypto in emerging markets
1: right i mean i think well first off i wouldn't i mean the imf has made some of these remarks in the past as well so mm-hmm. i think um, you always take these with a pinch of salt if you ask me because i think i mentioned this before as well it's it's crypto is new it's a technology it can be used for good and bad right i mean it's it's not uh, i mean it's unbiased essentially right having said that 99 percent of what is being used in crypto is actually for good and for development of the financial system and unbanked and so on and there's obviously a percentage that does kind of go into these uh you know uh criminal areas which is which is again like as uh, you know anyone is fair anyone can use the technology like most of the most of the illicit activity still happens in plain fiat usd and if you compare the numbers it's not even close right so there's you could also point to a lot of the benefits that crypto has brought to the situation in ukraine and lots of other kind of areas and i mean to to make a remark that it could be kind of dangerous to the financial system itself Mm. i think is quite stretched because i mean these volumes in the emerging markets are not that massive to to be honest compared to what you're looking at tradition you know in traditional asset classes um so yeah both good and bad of course uh the i m f will take a view that is a bit more pragmatic, and they will make these comments, but mm. crypto is sure to stay We're, you know there's enough and more signs uh, across market across uh, regu- you know regulators making the right moves in licensing these things um, so i would I would say that what's required is fair and transparent licensing and regulation to make mm-hmm. sure it's safe for people to to use.
0: You want to safeguard the financial system from exactly. those risks. Uh, something for policymakers to perhaps keep in mind. All right, let's take a view on the metaverse now. It seems every time I really look at my LinkedIn feed, it is just popping all over the place with people chatting about the metaverse and what's being done there. I just hosted an event um, moderating a discussion on real assets, and it was so interesting to hear uh, one of the the world's largest purchases of buildings talking about building a digital twin for these buildings and you know if you think about where these digital twins in future could reside you think well who knows what what else is going to you know get make its way to the metaverse but it looks like an old world asset like real assets uh, already making their yeah. way there in a way so what do you see as the opportunities VJ, in the metaverse for investors from where you're sitting today
1: yeah this is i mean this is obviously a very exciting new area right and what what i would say is why we're essentially seeing this excitement is because you're having a couple of new kind of technologies come together to make this really possible and mm-hmm. one is essentially the the advent of blockchains and what that enables is a trusted kind of uh, you know without any third party you're able to verify assets on uh, a decentralized blockchain and that is huge for money itself as we've seen with bitcoin but it's actually now that can be you know translated to real world assets or art and collectibles and so on and you're seeing that come on to uh, things like the metaverse but the other aspect is also you've got uh, you know uh, good hardware and and with stuff like the oculus from from meta they prove to kind of have these experiences so it's a bit of a hardware and a, a software combination that's enabling what we're seeing with the metaverse and why people are so excited uh, i would say a couple of things right one is most most brands and, you know, uh, retail uh, are, are still experimenting with what's possible, right? It's yeah. pretty unknown. It's very, very early. The basic building blocks are being built as we speak. Mm. Like I mentioned, the sandbox, which is basically a platform to build these experiences. Um, the general way, I would think, for most people to gain kind of, you know, some sort of access or exposure to the metaverse mm. is to look at these large platforms as, you know, as as the entry point, right? So Sandbox or Decentraland and maybe dabbling, you know, uh, owning some of those tokens, Um, obviously, you know, uh, being cognizant about how much you want to put in there. Those are the, that's probably the easiest way to gain exposure. For more sophisticated investors, you could look, a step further by actually trying to own a land parcel on on Decentraland or on Sandbox. Um, That takes a bit more of a, you know, it's slightly more complex. If you're a bit more savvy, you can kind of look at that. Uh, But I would also just caution people from, you know, going all in on some of these things, because like I said, it's still very early, still exploratory. But these are two ways to kind of think about how you want to, you know, expose yourself in terms of your asset class or Mm -hmm. asset exposure to the metaverse story.
0: What, what is your take on the infrastructure currently being built in the metaverse? I mean, it's being built on Web 3.0, which is being iterated as we speak, right? So right. we're still at early innings. What 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 is the metaverse looking like to you right now? I mean, is it really resembling primarily a gaming universe?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's, it's very, very basic, right? Uh, most of these things, if you kind of actually go into the sandbox or try to... On a land parcel, there's not much there, honestly. Like there's mm-hmm. there's a couple of uh, events that have taken place in the so-called metaverse, like a concert and so on, mm-hmm. um, which may feel interesting, but you sometimes wonder it's why it's so special. So, like I said, I I, I still think. The form factor and how these things evolve is still still being kind of explored and developed. Um, it's similar to the NFT space, right? Like even if in the NFT space, you you see a lot of these images being sold for thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And people wonder why are people paying so much? It's I think it's just a lot of the early adopters getting in and experiencing these things. And uh, if you ask me, most of these things will look very different in a year or two, at least, uh, from what we're seeing now. Basically because, again, like a lot of the building blocks to be able to do the interesting things are still being built out and, and, and formulated.
0: So why do you think digital land parcels are an interesting area in the metaverse?
1: Why it's interesting is because, with again, with blockchains, you're able to have unique assets represented online, right? Which is what the blockchain enables. And so let's say, I mean, let's say you own a real estate in a prime you know, area in Singapore or New York. Imagine translating that into very, very unique asset ownership or real estate ownership on, you know, something like the sandbox. So you buy a land parcel there uh, and that land land parcel arguably is next to, let's say a popular celebrity like Snoop Dogg or someone. So it's a very similar kind of way of thinking about how your uh, property value asset value could increase in in time just because it's so unique and it's kind of next to someone uh, quite popular. And so let's say, you know, uh, there's a central business district that forms in the metaverse on, sand, on the sandbox and you own something next to it. You could imagine that also kind of gains value because that becomes quite interesting to own. And, and it's, a, so it's the same kind of concept uh, offline, but it, this is obviously now being translated online in the form of uniqueness and being able to verify that you own an asset on, this, on, on a blockchain. And that's what makes it, I think, quite powerful. Interesting
0: insights as always, Vijay. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you, Michelle.
0: He's Vijay Iyer, VP Corporate Development and Global Expansion at Luno. Luno is a global cryptocurrency platform. It recently announced it surpassed 10 million customers across over 40 countries. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at MoneyFM893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.